Chapter Three of Hoof and Claw. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hoof and Claw by Charles Roberts, a master of supply. Unlike his reserved and supercilious red cousin of kindlier latitudes, Blue Fox was no lover of solitude and seeing that the only solitude he knew was the immeasurable desolation of the arctic barrens this was not strange the loneliness of these unending and unbroken plains rolled out flat beneath the low-hung sky to a horizon of white haze might have weighed down even so dauntless a spirit as his had he not taken care to fortify himself against it this he did very sagaciously by cultivating the companionship of his kind his snug burrow beneath the stunted bush growth of the plains was surrounded by the burrows of perhaps a score of his race during the brief but brilliant arctic summer which flared across the lonely wastes with a fervor which strove to compensate for the weary duration of its absence the life of blue fox was not arduous but during the long sunless winters with their wild snows their yelling gales their interminable night and their sudden descents of still intense frost so bitter that it seemed as if the incalculable cold of outer space were invading this undefended outpost of the world then blue fox and his fellows would have had a sorry time of it but for two considerations they had their cheer of association in the snug burrows deep beneath the covering of the snows and they had their food supplies laid by with wise forethought in the season when food was abundant therefore when the old bear grown too restless and savage to hibernate had often to roam the darkness hungry and when the wolf-pack was forced to range the frozen leagues for hardly meat enough to keep their gaunt flanks from falling in the provident foxes had little to fear from either cold or famine the burrow of blue fox was dug in a patch of dry sandy soil that formed a sort of island half a dozen acres broad in the vast surrounding sea of the swampy tundra the island was not high enough or defined enough to be called a knoll to the eye it was nothing more than an almost imperceptible bulge in the enormous monotony of the levels but its elevation was enough to secure it good drainage and a growth of more varied herb and bush than that of the moss-covered tundra with here and there a little open space of turf and real grass which afforded its tenants room to bask deliciously in the glow of the precipitate summer hot and melting as the arctic summer might be it could never reach with its ardent fingers the foundations of eternal frost which underlay all that land at a depth of a very few feet so blue fox dug his burrow not too deep but rather on a gentle slant and formed his chamber at a depth of not much more than two feet below the roots of the bushes abundantly lined with fine dry grasses which he and his family kept scrupulously clean it was always warm and dry and sweet it was an afternoon in the first of the summer one of those long unclouded glowing warm afternoons of the arctic when the young shoots of herb and bush seem to lengthen visibly under the eye of the watcher and the flower-buds open impetuously as if in haste for the caresses of the eager moths and flies 
for the moment the vast expanses of the barren were not lonely the nesting juncos and snow buntings twittered cheerfully among the busy growths the mating ducks clamoured harshly along the bright coils of the sluggish stream which wound its way through the marshes on an islet in the middle of a reedy mere some half mile to the east a pair of great white trumpeteer swans had their nest scornful of concealment a mile or more off to the west a herd of caribou browsed the young green shoots of the tundra growth moving slowly northward the windless air was faintly musical with the hum of insects and with the occasional squeaks and scurryings of unseen lemming mice in their secret roadways under the dense green sphagnum blue fox sat up not far from the entrance to his tunnel blinking lazily in the glow and watching the play of his fuzzy cubs and their slim young blue-gray mother in and out their doorway scattered here and there over their naked little domain he saw the families of his kindred similarly carefree and content with life but carefree as he was blue fox never forgot that the price of freedom from care was eternal vigilance between his eyes and the pallid horizon he detected a wide-winged bird swinging low over the marshes he knew at once what it was that with slow-moving deliberate wings came up nevertheless so swiftly it was no goose or brant or fish-loving merganser or inland wandering saddleback gull that flew in such a fashion he gave a shrill yelp of warning answered at once from all over the colony and at once the playing cubs whisked into their burrows or drew close to their mothers and set up to stare with bright suspicious eyes at the strong-winged flyer blue fox himself like most of his full-grown fellows never stirred but his eyes never swerved for a second from the approach of that ominous winnowing shape it was a great arctic hawk owl white mottled with chocolate and it seemed to be hunting in a leisurely fashion as if well fed and seeking excitement rather than a meal it came straight on toward the colony of the foxes flying lower and lower till blue fox began to gather his steel-like muscles to be ready for a spring at its throat if it should come within reach it passed straight over his head its terrible hooked beak half open its wide implacable eyes jewel-bright and hard as glass glaring downward with still menace but with all its courage it did not dare attack any one of the calmly watchful foxes it made a sweeping half-circuit of the colony and then sailed on toward the mere of the white swans just at the edge of the mere it dropped suddenly into a patch of reeds to flap up again a second later with a limp form trailing from its talons the form of a luckless mother duck surprised in brooding her eggs a great hubbub of startled and screaming waterfowl pursued the marauder but the swans from their islet as the foxes from their colony looked on with silent indifference blue fox basking in the sun was by and by seized with the restlessness a sense of some duty left undone he was not hungry for the wastes were just now so alive with nesting birds and swarming lemmings and their fat little cousins the lemming mice that his hunting was a swift and easy matter 
he did not even have to help his mate occupied though she was in a leisurely way with the care of her cubs but across his mind came an insistent memory of the long and bitter arctic night when the world would seem to snap under the deadly intensity of the cold and there would be no birds but a few ptarmigan in the snow and the fat lemmings would be safe beneath the frozen roofs of their tunnels and his cleverest hunting would hardly serve him to keep the keen edge off his hunger in the first sweet indolence of spring he had put far from him the remembrance of the famine season but now it was borne in upon him that he must make provision against it shaking off his nonchalance he got up stretched himself elaborately and trotted down briskly into the tundra he picked his way daintily over the wide beds of moist sphagnum making no more sound as he went than if his feet had been of thistledown at some distance from the skirts of the colony the moss was full of scurrying and squeaking noises presently he crouched and crept forward like a cat the next instant he pounced with an indescribable speed and lightness his head and forepaws disappearing into the moss he had penetrated into one of the screened runways of the little people of the sphagnum the next moment he lifted his head with a fat lemming dangling from either side of his fine jaws he laid down the prize and inspected it with satisfaction a round-bodied creature some six inches long of a gray color mottled with rusty red with a mere apology for a tail and with the toes of his forepaws exaggeratedly developed for use perhaps in constructing its mossy tunnels for a few seconds blue fox pawed his prey playfully as one of his cubs would have done then bethinking himself of a serious business which he had in hand he picked it up and trotted off to a dry spot which he knew of just on the fringe of the island now of one thing blue fox was well aware it having been borne in upon him by experience namely that a kill not soon eaten would speedily spoil in this weather but he knew something else which he could only have arrived at by the strictly rational process of putting two and two together he understood the efficacy of cold storage burrowing down through the light soil he dug himself a little cellar the floor of which was the stratum of perpetual frost here in this preservative temperature he deposited the body of the fat lemming and covered the place from prying eyes with herbage and bush drawn lightly over it hunting easily and when the mood was upon him he brought three more lemmings to the storehouse that same day on the next day and the next an arctic tempest swept over the plain an icy rain drove level in whipping sheets the low sky was crowded with hurrying ranks of torn black vapor and the wise foxes kept to their holes then the sun came back to the waste places and blue fox returned to his hunting without in any way pushing himself without stinting his own repasts or curtailing his hours of indolence or of play blue fox attended to his problem of supply so efficiently that in the course of a couple of weeks he had perhaps two score plump carcasses lemmings and mice laid out in this cold storage cellar of his then he filled it in right to the top with grass roots turf and other dry stuff that would not freeze into armor plate covered it with light soil and bushes and left it to await the hour of need in the course of the summer blue fox like all his fellows 
established a number of these lemming caches till by the time when the southward bird flight proclaimed the summer at an end the question of supply was one to give him no further anxiety when the days were shrunken to an hour or two of sunlight and the tundra was frozen to stone and the winds drove the fine snow before them in blinding drifts then blue fox dismissed his tours from his mind and devoted himself merrily to the hunting of his daily rations the arctic hares were still abundant and not yet over wild from ceaseless hurrying and though the chase of these long-legged and nimble leapers was no facile affair it was by no means too arduous for the tastes of an enterprising and active forager like blue fox in the meantime the household of blue fox like all the other households in the little colony had been substantially reduced in numbers all the cubs by this time grown nearly to full stature if not to full wisdom had migrated there was neither room nor supply for them now in the home burrows and they had not yet arrived at the sense of responsibility and forethought that would lead them to dig burrows for themselves gently enough perhaps but with a firmness which left no room for argument the youngsters had all been turned out of doors there seemed but one thing for them to do to follow the southward migration of the game and lightly they had done it they had a hard winter before them but with good hunting and fair luck in dodging the traps and other perils that were bound to dog their inexperienced feet they would return next spring ripe with wisdom and experience dig burrows of their own and settle down to the responsibilities of arctic family life to blue fox sleeping warm in his dry burrow when he would and secure in the knowledge of his deep stored supplies the gathering menace of the cold brought no terrors by the time the sun had disappeared altogether and the often brilliant but always terrible and mysterious arctic night had settled firmly upon the barrens game had grown so scarce and shy that even so shrewd a hunter as blue fox might often range a whole day without the luck to capture a ptarmigan or a hare the hare of course like the ptarmigan was at this season snowy white and blue fox would have had small fortune indeed in the chase had he himself remained in summer livery with the setting in of the snow he had quickly changed his coat to a like color and therefore with his wariness his unerring nose and his marvelous lightness of tread he was sometimes able to surprise the swift hare asleep in this fashion too he would often capture a ptarmigan pouncing upon it just as the startled bird was spreading its wings for flight when he failed in either venture which was often enough the case he felt himself in no way cast down he had the excitement of the chase the satisfaction of stretching his strong lithe muscles in the race across the hard snow and then when the storm clouds were down close upon the levels and all the world was black and the great winds from the pole bitterer than death raved southward with their sheeted ghosts of fine drift then blue fox with his furry mate beside him lay blinking contentedly in the deep of his burrow with food and to spare close at hand but happy as he was in the main blue fox was not without his cares two enemies he had so strong and cunning that the menace of them was never very far from his consciousness the wolf his master in strength though not in craft was always ready to hunt him with a bitter combination of hunger and of hate 
and the wolverine cunning beyond all the other kindreds of the wild and of a sullen ferocity which few would dare to cross was forever on the search for the stored supplies of the foxes the wolverine solitary and morose slow of movement and defiant even toward the polar storm prowled in all weathers one day chance led him upon one of blue fox's storage cellars the snow had been recently pawed away and the wolverine quick to take the hint began instantly to dig it was astonishingly easy work his short powerful forepaws made the dry turf and light turf fly and speedily he came to the store of frozen lemmings but before he had quite glutted his great appetite he was interrupted though the storm was raging over the outer world to blue fox in his burrow had come a monition of evil he had whisked out to inspect his stores he found the wolverine head downward in his choicest cellar hot as was his rage it did not burn up his discretion this was a peril to be dealt with drastically he knew that if the rubber was merely driven off he would return and haunt the purlieus of the colony and end by finding and rifling every storehouse in the neighborhood blue fox stole back and roused the occupants of the nearest burrows in two minutes a dozen angry foxes were out and creeping through the storm in vengeful silence they fell upon the thief as he feasted carelessly and in spite of the savage fight he put up they tore him literally to pieces the danger of the wolves was more terrible and more daunting all through the first half of the winter there had been no sign of a wolf in the neighborhood the trail of the wandering caribou having lured them far to the eastward then it chanced when blue fox was chasing a hare over the snow beneath the green rose and violet dancing flames of the aurora that a thin quavering howl came to his ears he stopped short he lost all interest in the hare glancing over his shoulder he saw a grayish patch moving swiftly under the shifting radiance it was on his trail that patch of death he lengthened himself out belly to earth and sped for the burrows and the dancing lights shifting from color to color as they clustered and hurtled across the arch of sky seemed to stoop in cold laughter over his lonely and desperate flight blue fox could run fast but his best speed was slow in comparison with that of his gaunt and long-limbed foes he knew that had the race before him been a long one it could have but one result a glance over his shoulder as he ran showed him that the gray shapes were overhauling him and knowing that the distance to his burrow was not long he felt that he had a chance a sporting chance however small was enough for his courageous spirit and he raced on with good heart at a pace which soon stretched his lungs near to bursting but he spared breath for a sharp yelp of warning which carried far in the stillness and signalled to his fellows the peril that approached as the wolves came up the fugitive could hear the strong relentless padding of their feet and then half a minute later the measured hiss of their breathing the occasional hard click of their fangs but he did not look back his ears gave him all the information he required and he could not afford to risk the loss of the slenderest fraction of a second as he reached the nearest burrow it was not his own it seemed as if the dreadful sounds were already overwhelming him he dived into the burrow and the jaws of steel clashed at his tail as he vanished with a chorus of snarls the disappointed pack brought up abruptly checking themselves back upon their haunches 
the leaders fell to digging at the burrow while others scattered off to try the same experiment at the other burrows of the colony but blue fox breathless and triumphant only showed his teeth derisively he knew that no wolf claws could make any impression on the hard frozen earth surrounding the inner portals of the colony the wolves discovered by chance one of the supply cellars and quarrelled for a moment over the dozen or so of titbits which it contained and then realizing that it was no use hanging about in the expectation that any fox would come out to be eaten the wise old pack leader swung the pack into ranks and swept them off to hunt other quarry when the thudding rhythm of their footsteps died into silence the foxes all came out and sat under the dancing lights and stared after the terrible receding shapes with a calm and supercilious scorn end of a master of supply